Uh, so what we're going to do here today, we're going to track back in to uh, the series that we started here a few weeks ago, okay? Uh, actually, six weeks ago. So this will be week seven in identity, who am I? All right, so when you think about your identity, who do you think you are? How do you define yourself? Anybody? All right, so I'm forgiven. I'm adopted, a child of God. Okay, I'm blessed. Okay, I'm hidden. You got any other ways that you clarify maybe your identity, who you think you are? We've talked about being crowned and fashioned by God, right? So Psalm 8 told us that we're made just a little lower than the angels, but we're made distinct. So we are made in a specific kind. And we were watching a video this morning in our study that reminded us that God's the creator of kinds. And so animals populate the earth after their kind, and humans do so. That's why animals don't become humans and humans don't become animals, right? Because God said so. And so that's just how it works. And so he's fashioned all people with crown and glory. He watches over everyone. He cares for us. Um, all these sorts of things. And so, yeah, last week we talked about being hidden. We've talked about being accepted and what that looks like. And today we're going to be in 1 John 5, and we're going to talk about what it means to be an overcomer. Okay? Uh, be an overcomer. And so if you'd like to go ahead and turn there, we'll be there in just a few minutes. Uh, but we always like to talk before we start. So... Has there ever been a time in your life where you felt like you had to overcome something? Anybody in one word, can you just say what it was? This is what I had to overcome. Needles. All right? Pain. Anybody else? Something you've had to overcome? What about grief? You had to overcome grief? Or I thought of uh, inability. Have you had to get beyond yourself to realize, I just can't do that? Hurt feelings, yeah. Got to get beyond. So sometimes you find yourself in a situation where you've got to overcome. And this happens probably on a weekly basis, right? Where we have experienced some kind of loss. Or we're battling some sort of desire that's ungodly or a sin or a temptation that seeks to win in our life. And so I've got to overcome. And so how is it that we can overcome is what we're going to look at here today uh, as it relates to 1 John chapter 5. Now, when you hear the word overcome, does that sound like something easy? If you woke up this morning and said, I'm going to have to overcome today, we're probably thinking that I'm going to be heavily challenged. Like overcome means I've got a battle to face. I've got a hill to climb. It's not something that's going to come easy, Right? So I'm sure overcoming needles didn't come easy. Overcoming pain didn't come easy. Overcoming hurt feelings, that doesn't come easy. It doesn't come natural, okay? So there's something there that we have got to really struggle with and desire to press on through. So no one hears the word overcome and thinks that this is going to be, it's going to be easy. And yet what we're going to see today is this. Part of our identity in Christ is that we are, through Him, overcomers. Did you know that's your name? So we can talk about forgiven and love and fashioned and crowned and hidden and accepted and adopted and all those things. You definitely are. We definitely are. But you also today are an overcomer. Okay? Which means at the end of the day, you win. At the end of the day, you and I can live each and every day with victory. And so today we'll notice how that is 
true and why this world shouldn't have the power that we talked about last week over us. And so 1 John chapter 5 is where we're going to be. And when you think of that word overcome, it means things like to prevail or to conquer. Doesn't that sound good? I prevailed or I conquered. It means that I was, I'm battle tested. I may have some scars, but I have came through whatever this situation or struggle is. I have dealt with it successfully. So those are all ways to think of that word overcome. I've overpowered, I've conquered, I've prevailed, I've dealt with it successfully. And so what a great letter here from the Apostle John. Right? We've been in this, this will be our third time here in in. 1 John, we've been there chapter 4, talking about being lavishly loved. We've been there in 1 John chapter 3, talking about how we were adopted, a child of God. And now here in chapter 5, we're looking at how it is then that we can be overcomers. So if you've got your Bible, let's go there. If not, you can track with me on the wall here today as we progress through the first 12 verses. All right, so everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. And this is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and by carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And this is the one, talking of Jesus, who came by water and blood. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And then it's also the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it's the, te because it's the testimony of God which He has given about His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. And whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about His Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Okay? And so here we're really trying to establish, John's trying to establish something about Jesus. What is it? Starts with an S. All right, that he is the Son of God. Okay? S-O-N is really what we just read through there all, all over and over again. He's the Son of God. You have to believe in the Son of God. These three witness that he's the Son of God. And so we're going to talk today and focus initially on how to overcome, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. And so number one, the overcomer finds victory through faith in Jesus, who is the Son of God. Now, this is very important today. Not just for us, but this is important as you think about people on the planet. Everybody on the planet has some kind of faith. Everybody. Whether they believe in God or not, everybody walking the globe right now has some sort of faith. And so what we're looking at here is that those who overcome find that that only happens in Christ. Now, some people claim there's no God, all right? We mentioned that a little bit earlier here this morning. Uh, and some people believe that there is a God and that that's enough. Like, they believe that there is a God and this God may be good. He may be just.
never fails. Hey, don't put me to the test. I'm going to try to. <laughs> I've lost my train of thought now. Talking about God, right? All right, so God is... He's just, he's wise, he's strong. All those things that we could say about God. And a lot of people would say, don't you just love that, by the way? That may not mean anything to you, but for me, I would used to rather just go in there and hid my face and cried for about 10 minutes. This Lord, I just really botched it today and our technology just ruined your word and sorry. You know, and thankfully he's taught me, hey, you can go on. That's just part of life. So thank you for going on with me, all right? Uh, but nonetheless here, it's not about just faith in God. A lot of people say God exists, but when you throw Jesus in the mix, then you get all sorts of flack, right? Kickback. That's why on your money it says what? In God we trust. That's kind of okay in this country, all right? Because it can be any God. So if the God is your money, fine, trust the money. It's your God. It could be Allah. It could be whoever you want it to be, just as long as it says God. But if it said in Jesus we trust... All right, then that money probably wouldn't exist anymore. You would have in your hand something very antique, probably worth some money. All right? So when it comes to the Son of God, people have issues. And yet here, what John tells us is the only way to overcome, the only way to victory is through faith in, not God, but faith in the Son of God. Believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So let's read this here again. 1 John 5 says, This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is what? Is the Son of God. And so it's not just believe that there's a God, believe He's a Father, but it's also believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. And what I love here is that the Bible doesn't just throw that out as a blanket statement, just believe it because I say so, kind of like we do as parents sometimes. Although God has every authority and uh, he could do that if that was his prerogative, right? Because I said so, do this. And he's often commanded us in those ways. But here he tells us to believe in the Son of God and to do so based on three different evidences. Now, in the Bible, how many testimonies were necessary to confirm something as true? Right? So it had to be two, right? So two people saw this happen. So this guy saw Jethro steal... You know, Abe's uh, goat. And somebody else comes in and says, yeah, I saw him do the same thing. You've got in a court of law two neighbors confirming that he did it. That was enough. There was no video evidence. Right? There wasn't forensics back then. We weren't tracking DNA. It was based on testimony. So he said it and he said it. You're guilty. So based on the, the witness of two, things were confirmed. Here we've got based on the witness of three. We've got the water. We've got the blood. And we've got the Spirit. And so let's think back for a minute. When was Jesus confirmed as the Son of God around water? Do you remember that? Alright, and so just before he starts his ministry, he went to John the Baptist to be baptized. Do you remember this? Alright, in Matthew 3.17, And a voice from heaven said, This is my, who? This is my Son. This is the Son of God with whom I love, or whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And so at the water, you've got confirmation. At the baptism of Jesus, you've got the confirmation from God that Jesus is his son. Right? We've also got the, the Spirit given witness there. You remember John says, uh, in the book of John, uh, John the Baptist says, 
that God told him that this spirit would come on, the one that he would baptize, that's how he would know who the Messiah was. And so sure enough, the spirit comes in the form of dove on Jesus, and John beholds then the Messiah. Okay, so really at the baptism of Jesus, you've got the spirit testifying there also that he's the son of God, as well as the, the father, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You've also got the blood. The blood signifies the payment that Jesus made, and it reminds us that the price was paid, but also that it wasn't the final, uh, didn't have the final word over Christ. And so it speaks to the resurrection. It speaks to power. And so let's go here to John chapter 20. What you find here is one of the women who went to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus with her perfumes. She finds that he's not there and she's frantic. And so she's talking with the gardener, where is he? And Jesus turns to her and calls her by name. And so she then hugs him and embraces him. And so he says to her, do not hold on to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to whom? My Father. So if he's my Father, that makes me his Son. And he's not just my father, I'm ascending to my father, but also, and your father, to my God and to your God. And so here we've got the, the picture of the blood. We've got the picture of the power that, that cleanses sin. Here being exercised in John 20, confirming once again that Jesus is the Son of God. He's my father, and he's also your father. And then the Spirit has also been sent to testify to the truth, to testify that Jesus is the Son of God. And First John, John writes and says, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And so here you've got the water. Here you've got the blood. Here you've got the Spirit. The Spirit confirms what Jesus said and what God approved, and that is that Jesus is the Son. Now, for you and I to be overcomers, it all starts with us putting our faith, where? In the Son of God. Okay, it's in the Son of God. All sorts of people believe that there is a God who exists, but they don't believe in the Son of God. Faith in Jesus Christ is absolutely necessary, not just for to be accepted and hidden, adopted, and all those things we've talked through, but definitely here to be an overcomer. It starts with, it's carried through by, faith in Christ. He's the one who's overcome. In John 16, Jesus says these words, I have told you these things so that in me you'll have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Do you agree? Have you had trouble in this world? Absolutely. You know what we've had to do? We've had to overcome and here's why. You've had trouble in this world but take heart because I have overcome the world. So the only way you and I can ever move to a position to overcome anything that we're facing in our life that has a stronghold in us, that seeks to root out our faith in Christ, that seeks to destroy us, is through the one who himself overcome or overcame initially. And so here again we see, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now last week we talked about how Christ has hidden himself in us in the form of the Spirit. And the one who is in us is greater than the one who attacks us, who's against us in this world. So if Jesus overcomes the world as the Son of God, then we too can overcome the world through the Son of God. 
Right? It all starts there. Victory through faith in Jesus, who alone is the Son of God. All right, secondly here this morning, the overcomer is also going to find that they love all of God's children. Everyone who says that they are a child of God, and not necessarily says, because maybe people could be wrong there, but people who are truly born of God, part of the same family of God, we're all brothers and sisters. So do I ever have a right not to love my brother and sister? Biblically speaking, do I have that right? No. I don't have the right not to love somebody. And here we're writing and talking specifically about believers. Okay? John wrote this letter specifically to believers. All sorts of reasons. One of the reasons is to teach us how we overcome and what it looks like to be an overcomer. So remember, those who overcome, right, who overcome a broken body, who overcome a disease, who overcome any kind of loss or addiction, or grief, or fear. Those who overcome are people who then live out that overcoming. Basically, overcomers will then overcome. It's something that's built in. It's something that we have to, uh, not necessarily built in, it's something we have to challenge ourselves to do. And so as an overcomer, we're going to say, I've got to live this out. It's not just about me. It's about what's going to take place through me. You're my brother. You're my sister. And I am to love you. So back to verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Everyone. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. Alright, that's not speaking of Jesus. That's speaking of anyone who's born of God. Verse 2. This is how we know that we love the children of God. And so here you see that carried out. By loving God and by carrying out his commands. And so what is the command? The command is to love them. Right? Regardless of differences, we are to love those who are born of God. Now, this may sound like something that should be natural or normal, but it seems like we find it easier to divide over our differences than we do to unite. And so we're, we're going to see that here in, you know, 10 days or so. There's going to be a clear line, and I'm on this team, and I'm on this team, or I'm on the third team. Who are you voting for? Don't tell me. All right? I hope you're going to exercise the freedom that you have to vote in this country and to vote biblical principle, vote your conscience, pray about it. Um, but people are going to divide themselves over who they vote for. And I've seen this, and you may have experienced this as well. People aren't, they don't talk to other people right now because it's the election. Side. And I can't, I can't stand to hear what you say about him. And I can't stand to hear what you say about her. Okay, and we're Christians. You know what the Scriptures say? It says that we've got to unite above our differences. We've got to love beyond our opinions. And if we're not doing that, then we're not living out what it means to be an overcomer. People divide over race. You know, I was sharing with somebody, I had parent-teacher conferences here Thursday and Friday, talking about uh, a student I have had my wife previously as a teacher. And just talking about sports in the South. I said, yeah, there are churches that are Auburn churches and there are churches that are Alabama churches. And they're like, oh, no. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's as much or more religion in the South than Christianity is. And there have been homes, people divorce because I can't stay married to an Alabama fan. You disgust me. United in Christ, under the same blood, belief in the same Son of God. We're part of the same body and I hate you. 
there's no way I could ever love you because you're an, are you kidding me, an Alabama fan? And I get it about competition, but it's just absurd some of the things we Christians divide over. Sometimes you'll see this in race. There may be people who walk in here and say, I can't attend that church because all those people look the same. They don't look like me. And that would be on them. But if they came in here and we said, no, you can't attend this church because you don't look like us, you don't look the same, then we're not loving our brother and sister. We haven't really overcome in Jesus. See, if I'm overcoming, if I can overcome whatever is in my path, then that means I can overcome your differences of opinion. I can overcome your political bent. You're going to vote for him, whatever. You're going to vote for her, whatever. November 8th, 9th, whatever the date, we're going to go on. We're going to keep loving Jesus and fulfilling the mission that he's set us on here. Right? I'm not saying it's unimportant. I'm just saying that doesn't define us. At least it shouldn't. And yet there's this divide. I could never talk to people who believe that way. If I never love you, then maybe you've never experienced the love of Christ. To be loved by Christ means we overcome differences. We overcome preferences. We overcome things such as class or even denominations. I can't associate with those people. They're Presbyterians. What? I can't associate with those people because they're Pentecostal. What? Right? If we are born of God, if we are believers in the same Son of God, then we are part of the same what? Family. It makes us brothers and sisters. We can have different views of Scripture. And we can look at things differently as long as we're not diluting who God is and who His Son is and what He did for us. And the only way to Him is through Him. We start getting away from that. Now we've got issues. But if we're under the same blood, one body, one baptism, one spirit, one faith, one Lord, then we've got to be willing to have conversations and yet not divide over that to the point where I just can't stand you or I'm not going to love you. And how many churches have split over things like this? I'm not asking you to count on your fingers. I just assume that you know some. What was the underlying problem? Was it really the color of the carpet? Was it really chairs or pews? Was it? No. Was it really sell or give away? No. Was it should we use a projector or hymn books? Should we sing old or new? Should we wear ties or shorts? Should we use King James or any? And yet there are churches who have drawn lines and said, we can't associate with you over things that are trivial. The underlying problem was they're not loving their brother and they're not loving their sister. I wasn't loving my brother and I wasn't loving my sister. Well, I think this is how a church should be led. Okay, have your opinion. But at the end of the day, I have to unite in love with you, not divide from you. That's what it means to overcome. I can overcome your weakness and you overcome my weakness. And I, you can overcome my foolishness and I can overcome your short-sightedness. And we can do these things as people who've been born by God. And so here he says, an identifiable trait of an overcomer is that they overcome the differences of others to love them. Don't shun them. Don't push them away. Don't divide. Definitely don't say hate. We're called here to love. And so we've been commanded to love. Why do you think God commanded us to do that? And why did you ever command your children to do something? 
Yeah, they wouldn't do it on their own, right? And even if they knew better. Are you supposed to brush your teeth every day? Twice? Yeah, at least. Okay, did you do it? Uh, why not? You know, make your bed. Did you get your breakfast? Whatever it is. Did you go mow the grass? That's what my dad was saying. You see the grass, son? Yeah, dad, I see it. Is it tall enough to mow? Yeah, it's tall. Then why didn't you mow it? Because uh, you didn't tell me to. Just a cop out. Think of it this way. Do you have to teach a dog to bark? No. A cat to meow? A pig to oink? bird to fly? No. Nobody says to a child, now, somebody takes that from you, you say it's mine. You tell it, don't you? You say it's mine, little girl, little boy. No, it's just, it's built in. It's natural. So the reason we tell people to do or not to do things is because it doesn't come natural. What comes natural is if you're voting here and I'm voting here, I'm against you. And your class and my class and your race and my race and your denomination and my denomination can't mix. And yet the Scripture calls me to love. And so I've been commanded to love because it is unnatural. God knew my natural bent would be to divide myself from people who are different than me than to unite with them. And I get it. It's a whole lot easier to connect with people who think like... Don't we just think if people thought the way we did, the world would be a whole lot better? If they dress like us and use their money the way that we do, and if they wrote policies the way that we would write policies, and if, we live, if they just thought the way we did, it would be a whole lot better. Maybe in some cases that's true, but if I draw my love line there, I'm not overcoming. If you're a child of God and I'm a child of God, bottom line is I am commanded to do something unnatural, and that's to love you. It's hard, but it's the command. All right? So this is how we know the children of God, by loving God and carrying out His commands. God's children our lovers of Him carry out His commands, and that command was to love others. And then third here this morning, the overcomer is going to delight in following God and doing so obediently. You know, I can remember sometimes as a child, and even as an adult, as an adult, not wanting to obey. You ever been there? Where it was like, I knew what to do, I just didn't want to do it. And I knew this was probably best for me, but this sounds like a whole lot more fun for me. Ever been there? You know, even as a child of God, like sometimes as an adult, you think, these people have really hurt me, offended me. They think so different than I do. I'm not going back there. I'm going to just stay over here. And we harbor some bitterness or some anger. or We hope to see them fail just a little bit so then they'll know how bad they hurt us or the choice that they made, how wrong it was when I told them, counseled them all along, you shouldn't do that, and to see them struggle, we find a little joy in that. And what the Bible says is, sometimes we struggle under the burden of what's right and what's wrong. And so the text is going to remind us here that God's burdens, or God's commands rather, are not burdensome. You know, most of the time, the burden and the command was on me. As long as I obeyed what my parents wanted, everything was great. They loved me, Right? It's not that they stopped loving me, but we had a close relationship. It was enjoyable to be around them. But whenever I had done something that I knew I shouldn't do and they didn't know about it, you know, I always felt a little guilty around them. Uh, like, when are they going to find out? When's it going to be uncovered? 
I've got to make sure I keep hiding this. And so it creates some separation, a barrier in the relationship. And so here we're seeing that somebody who's an overcomer, a true overcomer doesn't just struggle with what God commands. A true overcomer is going to delight in what they know God has said because they know it's best. See, when I find myself, this is what's right, but this is what I want to do, I'm doubting my Father. I'm doubting the commands that He set over me are really what's best for me are going to bring the result that I'm looking for. And that just never works out, at least not in my world. 1 John 5, verse 3 says, In fact, this is love for God to keep His commands. And His commands are not what? Burdensome. You know how many people say, I just can't follow God because it's all these rules, all these things you have to do, and all the stuff you can't do. Somewhere along the way, they've missed the point. When you've been a person who's overcome sin, Right? You've been set free from that. You're a person now who's filled with the Spirit. You have these new desires, new delights. You start chasing things that are God-honoring. You find my deepest satisfaction really is in what God is asking me to do. My greatest struggle is when I find myself doing something God has told me not to do. Right? It's a whole lot better to forgive than it is to hold a grudge. It takes a lot of work to maintain that junk. It may be hard at the point of beginning, but the delight is there because I'm honoring my Father by extending that grace or forgiveness or direction or whatever the case may be. So my commands are not burdensome. And here's why. For everyone born of God will overcome the world and overcomes the world. You remember when Jesus said, come to me all you're weary and heavy burdened, right? I'll give you something. What was it? I'll give you rest. Did that mean I'm going to give you something? I'm, you're not going to do anything. Did that mean I no longer have a plan for you? I no longer have a job for you? I no longer am going to ask anything of you? No, that's not what it meant. It meant you're living under the commands of this world that are burdensome. But if you'll come and sit under my teaching, that's what it goes on to say. For my yoke, my teaching, my commands, they're not a burden. They're light. And So come and I'll give you Rest. I'll give you rest from those things so that you can overcome the tendencies in your own heart with that sin nature. See, sometimes we view the commands as things that are burdensome. We might follow through, but there's just simply not any delight there. About a year, maybe it was two years ago, it seemed like every message I preached, it kept ending with that same thought. Your greatest delight is in doing what God is asking you to do. You'll find no deeper satisfaction than living in the sweet spot of God's plan for your life. In all sorts of different ways we said it, but it was the whole, it was the same thought. When we live out obedience to God, there's no deeper delight or satisfaction than doing so. It doesn't make it easy, but it does make it bring about that soul satisfaction. Lots of verses here, and we're not going to read them all. Psalm 119. But Psalm 119 verse 97 says, Oh, how I love your law. And I meditated on it all day long. Here you find the author of Psalm 119 just loving the commands of God. Some people look at it and say it's a burden. They just have not overcome in their life. For those who truly overcome, just what John wrote, the overcomer does not struggle under that burden. It's a delight. 
means we find delight in doing what God wants. And so think about the progression here this morning just for a minute. Those who believe are children of God. Right? And those who are children of God are going to obey God. And those who obey God then will find delight within the realm of that obedience. And all that's right there in that 1 John 5. Those are people who are overcomers. That's who you are. So I'm not asking you to go create delight. It's not, okay, God, I'm going to make myself delight in your word. Maybe you need to pray, Lord, help me delight in your word. But fan those desires within me. Hush those desires that are against you. Help me overcome whatever it is in my life as your child. And help me also overcome the differences that separate me from people who are also a part of the family. Being an overcomer is part of our identity here. And that's what we're saying this morning. Who I am or who am I? You and I are overcomers. And the overcomer is initially somebody who's placed their faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Not in God, some God out there, but in His Son. His death, all right? Water, blood, spirit, all testify that He's legit. He's the Son of God. He's the real deal. All sorts of witnesses were there to hear voices. All sorts of witnesses were there to hear and to observe resurrected Jesus. You and I are here today to speak to this truth that the Spirit lives in me and has confirmed these things from His Word in me that He really is the Son of God who gives us the ability to overcome. And so that's why we sing songs like we did this morning. I believe in the Son. I believe in the risen One. I believe I overcome by the power of His blood. Right? We bear witness to that because we do that. We live that currently. That's our song. That's our story. And so faith in Jesus is, is where it begins. But from there, we're empowered to overcome, to do so by loving others who are different, and then to delight ultimately in obeying the commands of God. Find no greater satisfaction than living in and fulfilling the commands of God. And so what I wonder today, if that's who we are, is that who you are? Are you an overcomer? And maybe you're dealing with something personally in your life that you're struggling with right now. You need to remind yourself who you are. And so what should I say to myself today if that's me? I'm an overcomer. Not because of my hard work, not because I'm going to figure it out, but because the one who overcame for me lives in me and greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. Therefore, whatever I'm facing, I will overcome through him. Does that make sense? If you're a son of God, a daughter of God, you're an overcomer. At the end of the day, he has the final say-so over every situation we face. Our physical bodies, any struggle, any, anything. He's the final say-so. And what he says is, as I've conquered, you'll conquer. As I've overcome, you'll overcome. You are an overcomer here this morning. That Are you living as such? Would you define yourself that way? Remember, an overcomer is somebody who lives this out. So are you loving people? Your brothers and sisters in Christ. Regardless of, well, yeah, I used to be close and we're not close. It's not about that. We've got to get beyond differences to genuinely love agape people. Remember that old agape love? It's that unconditional says, I want what's best for you even if you hate me. Spit in my face and I'll pray that God blesses your life, shows you favor. 
recreates your heart, draws you closer to Himself, utilizes your tools and gifts for His glory, regardless of what you say towards me. An overcomer overcomes differences to show the love of Christ to others. And then are you delighting in following God's Word? If not, it could be because I know this is what it says, but this is what I want to do. I know this is how He's calling us to live. This is what Christian people should look like, but this is how I am, and I can't change me. I'd say you're halfway home if you hold to that as truth. You can't change you, but you've got an overcomer in you who can, and He'll help you overcome. All right? For us today, it's our job to determine where do we want to live. Are we going to live as overcomers in our identity, or are we going to be overcome by things of this world?